Welcome to Everything House Music and More. And today's special guest, we have the one and only Byron Stingley. What's up, B? What's up, Mo? How you doing, man? I'm great, brother, man. Harvey World, huh? That's right, brother. You know, we represent that, man, to the fullest. All right. So are you ready to get into this? I'm ready to get into it. Let's do it, brother. So, B, you were connected to the house culture way before the house genre. If so, how was you introduced to that culture? I was a club kid. Uh, I was at every party. I mean, back in the day, I mean, um, I used to meet Jesse and Wayne, them down. That's Jesse Saunders and Wayne yeah, Williams. Je- right? I used to meet them at the parties that they were DJing at. And and back then, I would try to get there like they had to carry records in. I would get there early oh, wow. to try to help them carry their records in so I'd get in the parties free and stuff like that. So i go back, go back with them guys. Like So how time. were you at this time? Oh, I was about uh, 14, 15 okay. when I first started hanging around them guys and like Kurt Townsend. I used to call him Big Bruh back in the day. Okay. That was my guy. And uh, even though I was from the West Side, I used to make it to out to all the, uh, the all their different parties. Okay. Okay. So th- did you ever go to the wa- uh, the warehouse and the power plant or music box? I went to the warehouse at the uh, toward the end Okay, uh, because I, was, I wasn't really... Uh, old enough but like towards the end before it closed i used to go to the uh to the warehouse with frank hear frankie spin everybody okay. used to talk about frankie knuckles and i had to hear for myself oh nice so what was your musical background before house music uh before house music i played in bands i played in a band called the black pearl and it was like sort of like a new wave band and we played all over chicago uh we played at places like uh the cubby bear right. uh all all the little like rock and roll clubs and things like that we would play and we had like a, a seven eight piece band and one of the people uh we used to be in battle of the bands i used to battle keith nunley's band back in oh, the get day. Out of we here. used to always battle his band oh wow it would come down between us and them uh what's the guy davion uh from the group Smoke City, we, oh, used to play, we used to play like with a with a lot of different uh, bands. The guy Mickey Free and all that, like okay. who they did the sketch on. So I play, I played in bands. I, actually, I played percussions and uh, I played keyboards. It's new wave. It just have, to right. have some real like I'll get out nice of here. Little synth stabs and stuff okay. like that sound. So it, it came early to you then already. Yeah, I play in high school. I was playing in bands all over. What Chicago. high school did you go to? I went to a school called Holy Trinity. Holy Catholic Trinity school. Catholic school. Went to a public school at first. Leif Erickson, and then it was like the Fresh Prince got in a real bad fight, and <laughs> right. some people tried to shoot up our block. Get out of here. And after that, my mom sent me to Catholic school. Oh, nice. All right, V, that's good. So let me ask you this question. Did you release any other records before Devotion? I had records called uh, Just a Little Bit, Can't Stay Away, uh, Fix It Man. Now, Fix It Man went under ragtime, right? Yeah. Okay. And Can't Stay Away was under uh, ragtime as well. So who, who did the vocals on that one? Uh, T.C. Roper. He was one of the guys in the group On the House with Marshall Jefferson. He oh, was wow. One, he was the guy like would move your body. Yeah. And uh, so Roper. He, wow. He, uh, so so what, what, uh, how'd you come up with the group Ragtime? It was just a, it was just a name. I, I was trying to come up with a, a, a name. I was thinking of uh, like New Orleans jazz and things right. like that and it was just something I don't know. It wasn't a very good name. No, no, because no, yeah, some big. So you didn't do vocals on it. You just the writer on that. I those. wrote "Fix It, Man." I, I did. I, I I originally did the vocals myself, and I didn't like how my voice sounded on that particular record. Okay. So uh, I was like, I don't like my voice on it. So I'm like, man, get get Thomas to uh, do it here. Kill that. 
right. and I put Thomas on it. So Marshall produced it. Now Marshall had nothing to do with it, but he heard it and told me to put uh put rope. Oh, on. nice. So who who produced that? Uh, the Fix It Man. I did. Get out of here. Yeah. Oh man. A lot yeah. of people don't know. Like people, a lot of times think that I just sing, but a lot of a lot of production on Ten City and various groups. I uh, work with Mesa Leak. Uh, right. Work with a lot of people. I'm going to say this is probably going to start up a controversy. Some of the first Little Lewis records, I was in the studio with him. He was my neighbor. Oh, wow. And uh, when he was doing Frequency Out of Control, right. uh, what's the other one? The first like the first EP he, he did, he came to my house, asked me, uh, could he use my keyboards uh-huh. and drum machine? I right. said, sure. And, and then he came back like about an hour later <laughs> and was like, hey, uh, what you doing today? I was like... I'm just here at the house. I'm chilling today. Right. And he's like, well, you want to come to the studio? Next thing I know, next thing I know, I'm in there uh, programming 707, which wasn't, right. that wasn't hard to do. Right, right, right. And he was just like, oh, no, no, no snares. I just want claps. And, and so uh, frequency out of control and um, that record music takes you away. Music takes you away. Right. On there. I'll get out of here. I worked on. Worked on those. With man, him and he see, was, I'm he just told, learning that now. He man. told me he was going to give, he was like, bruh, I'm going to give you co producing uh, credit. I was like, cool. Record came out. Right. Name was nowhere on the records. Wow. But it's whatever. See, man. I mean, so I gave you a little, I gave yeah, you a little. That's you be little, trying to pull that's, up. That's stuff a little on history. Folks, right but, but yeah, <laughs> I was around a lot of people when they were doing, doing their records, yeah. uh, giving input. I didn't really give a lot of input, but uh, the whole time when Jesse Saunders was in the studio working on a lot of stuff, I, him and Dwayne Buford, I used to be right there in the studio uh, with those guys. Sometimes, sometimes uh, I would ask Jesse would uh, have a song, and I'm like, Jesse, it would be better probably if you would do this, and he and he would tell me like, Hey man, (laughs) you can sit there, but you can't you can't be saying that when we producing the records. I like, all right, all right. right." Uh, So he shot you down on that one. Yeah, he shot me down, but I I I respect that he was he had his own vision for his things. But I used to like be like, man, if they would just do this, it would make that record so much better. If it had a hook like this, right, 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 right. Backgrounds was doing this, and I'd be, hey, hey. Wow. He's like, come on, B, you got you can't talk while we produce it now. But it was cool. I did I got a chance to learn a lot from yeah. uh, from being around them them guys. Okay, so Ray Barney seemed to be a, a go for you guys coming up on the west side of Chicago. How did Ray play a role for you? Uh well, I worked I worked at Ray's record store okay. as a uh as a kid. He had, and then he uh decided he was gonna do a uh a dance music label, which Bright Star Dance Mania, which right. put out, like I said, they put out the first uh, Little Lewis records. They put out Marshall Jefferson's Pleasure Control, right. uh, hardcore tracks by Dwayne Buford. And uh, I wound up uh, running uh, Ray's label and in the distribution uh, part mm. of the label. I, I ran that for him. So what year was this now? This had to been like about 86. Wow. When I started working for... Uh, Working for Ray, I worked for Ray '86 and '87, and I was still trying to work for him up till like going out on the weekends, doing the first shows for right. Ten City. And yeah. then in 1988, Ray came to me. He's like, "Man, I'm gonna have to fire you." I was like, "How you gonna fire me, <laughs> man? I help you start your label and right. get it running it and get it cracking." But I help, you know, I help help really a lot of people. Don't know I helped a lot of uh, the early house records get distributed through yeah. uh, Ray and just all across the board. Oh, wow. So a lot of the house pioneers from Chicago West Side often get overlooked. Tell us about some of those artists and producers 
you know, I know you're, yourself included. So who else from the West Side did you look up to? Oh, man, it's, it's so many. Uh, one of the first DJs I looked up to uh, was Terrible Ted. Terrible Ted I love yeah. Terrible Ted. I used to go to every party, Terrible Ted with DJ. And then one of the first times I met Farley, right. Farley was opening uh, opening DJ for Terrible Ted. And I was like, I said, wow, that young boy, he, he was kind of <laughs> nice, Ted. And then I went and got Farley right. to come spin at uh a high school dance when okay. I was a uh, freshman in high school. Right. And uh, Farley came and spent uh, at the dance. And then next thing I know, Farley was like, he, he, he was, he became Farley, you know? Wow. Okay. So how did you meet Marshall Jefferson? I met Marshall Jefferson. I was actually in the studio. It's a, this kind of, and um, I was doing a song called funny love. I had did a demo on a four track, took it to Larry Sherman. He liked, he he liked the song and he was like you need to go on a uh get you in a real studio so we went to universal uh studios right. which back then was a lot of money yeah, it was a hundred dollars an hour yeah, to be in the studio and um and it was funny the guys i was in i told you i was in the group and the guys in the group had no interest in house music they right. like didn't respect it right but then the minute they found out i was going in to do a song for a record label not everybody wanted to be involved wow and once again we get down to the studio and i get there and then the guys in the group all of a sudden they want to add all these fancy keyboard parts to the record right right and i was like it's not that kind of record it's supposed to be raw it's a house record and uh like the bass player coming and then larry told me to be quiet he told me larry sherman told me let the guys do what they do you're just a singer oh wow and i was like oh okay <laughs> and so the record like the record was kind of coming out and my, it was coming out horrible right. it was like it was too much everybody was like on records yeah you gotta have everybody was overplaying so right, the right, bass right. player he wanted no to show everybody yeah. he could play yeah, right, right. <laughs> he doing all this plucking and i'm like oh my god the keyboard player and the guitar player, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm like, oh my goodness. So, so who who was supposed so, to be so the producer for that? It was supposed to have been. Uh, it was originally supposed to have been me, but okay. I, he, uh, Larry, started listening to like some of the other guys in, that I was in the group with. Like right. they, he's like they kind of had. I was always very humble and quiet, right. and and they were outspoken, and he thought they had the swag or whatever. So he was like, <laughs> they the ones. With, but they had nothing to do with the demo. And right. so Marshall walked in the studio and he walks over to me and he goes, Hey, B, who wrote them lyrics, man, and the melody? Right. I said, Well, I wrote the lyrics and the melody. He said, That's dope. But you know, that music sucks, man. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> and I, he was like, But you wrote the lyrics and melody. I was like, Yeah. yeah. And he was like, Hey, man. And he goes, I need you to come and start writing my lyrics and melodies for me. Okay. He and I was like, oh wow. And I already had heard some of the stuff he did, like this before Move Your Body. Right. Like he had uh the Virgo tracks. Right. And I heard that and I was like, oh man, whoever did these Virgo tracks, they got a they got a vibe to them. So I was like, um, like wow. And then he walked in and my my buddy, uh Sleazy D right. was like his little brother. Okay. And so Sleazy was like, yeah, Byron the man, Marshall, this, this, and this. So Sleazy D okay. uh, kind of put us uh, put us together. Oh, wow. Okay. And so we started. And Sleazy D's from the West Side? 
Nah, Sleazy D from the South Side. Okay. But okay. Sleazy D would be all over. Sleazy D used to be at all the parties. Right. Like every, that's why I said I was a club kid. Yeah, so yeah, Sleazy yeah. knew me from all of all the parties. He was like, you, you know, people don't know this now. You the guy dance kind of all crazy or whatever, what, you know. And so you was twirling back then? Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm just saying, it was it was the culture, man. That's the, all. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to do splits and all that kind of stuff. I got a funny story that I'm not gonna tell you today. Can tell that, man. I remember that too, man. Yeah, I, but I got, anyhow, I got video you doing splits too, man. Yeah. So, me. Uh, <laughs> so take me to how did Ten City begin? So Marshall had a show. Him and the, him and the group on the house. They had a show in New York. Okay, they had actually several shows. They had a show at Essex uh, Community College, Essex County College, where they were opening for the group. Ah, uh, oh, man, what's I can't man. Don't the system. I got system, Mick Murphy. System. He's yeah. the bad. They were yeah. opening for System. Okay, and then they had some other shows, and then they um they had a show at Paradise Garage. Right, and so. Here's what people don't know. A lot of people, I had those records out just a little bit and can't stay away, but people weren't really playing those here in Chicago because okay. they weren't really playing a whole a whole lot of vocals. One of the few exceptions might have been the J.M. Silk, a right. couple, maybe uh, Kevin Irvin record here and there, but um, uh, You Used to Hold Me. Right. But like they weren't really playing uh, my songs here. But when I got out there to New York, I found out, that they were playing my records like Larry Levan was beating Can't Stay Away right, and just right, a little right. bit like ridiculously yeah. at the Paradise Garage. And they had been looking for me for like four or five months to really? book me. Oh, wow. But nobody knew it. So Larry Sherman had had put the shows together. Oh, Lord. That was my guy, though. I ain't right. gonna, a lot of people, <laughs> but Larry Larry always paid me out. But Well, that's good. Uh, the um, So I go out there. And I'm, Larry's like, oh, it'll be good exposure for you. Come to find out, he was like, it'll be some good exposure. Like, like I was, right. but come to find out, my records were big out there. But I was, so I went out as an opening act for Marshall. Oh, okay. Uh, and on the house. Now, what, did you come out as Byron Stingley or? Yeah. Okay. Came out as came Byron out. Stingley. Okay. Um, and I did those two records. And uh, Byron Burke had went, Byron Burke had went with me. Okay. And he came out and he danced. What he danced during the middle of the show, and okay. uh, but at the um, I told Marshall Saturday if we supposed to went back Sunday. I said, "Hey Marshall, let's stay out here for another three four days, man." I said, "We're gonna go home with a uh, we'll go home with a major deal." And Marshall was like, uh, "He didn't. He was like, ain't no major company gonna sign us." I said, "Marshall, we're gonna go home with a major deal." Okay, and so we went around. To all the different uh, record labels, right. we didn't even have we didn't even have demos. We didn't even nothing. have nothing finished. Wow! And uh, every label was excited to meet us. They were like, "You, you, are, you're the guys with, from the Chicago and and move your body." It came out and it was they massive. Were, then yeah. they were playing it on regular radio out in New York. Wow! And I was like, Marshall, you don't know the power that you have right now. Right. And so we went to Atlantic records, met with Merlin Bob. Okay. And, um, Merlin, we didn't like Merlin was like, come on. We just, we hung out with him. Like that whole week we went to every club out there in New York. We right. were just going eating. And then we got ready to leave. Merlin told me, he said, Hey man, you my brother. Like from day one, he was right. like, you my brother. Right. He said, the next record you do 
is coming out on Atlantic Records. And I said, whatever. You know how people right, talk right, like, right, yeah, right, whatever. Right, right, right. Right. And so I was home. I was staying in my grandma's basement, and she used to kick on the floor when the phone would ring. Right. People want to know about yeah, that. I know, right? So she's stomping <laughs> on the floor, and she like, baby, Atlantic Records on the phone. And wow, I come up, and it's Merlin on the phone. And he goes, hey, man, where my record at? Uh-huh. And I was like, uh, oh, he's serious. Right. And so... I went to Ray Barney, who I worked for. I said, Ray, Atlantic Records called me. And uh, they said the next record I do, that they're going to sign me. And Ray said, how much money you need? I said, well, I'm going to use live strings, this, this, and this. I said, give me about three grand. Mm -hmm. Ray gave me $3,000. Wow. And uh, I went in a studio and did... uh, and did devotion. That's the first time I did devotion. And that's what I was going to next. And I was just going to say that devotion was one of the first songs to have notably more live instrumentation than any other Chicago house record. We want to split the difference between being, uh, a, I guess, a traditional house record at that time. Right. You know, like you had Chippy, Time to Jack. It's, it's house. Right. It's house. You right. know, all that. Right. And, and all, you know, like, uh, you know, Jack, 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 Jack. And so... House music was a little more tracky. Right. And so with me being, quote unquote, a songwriter and singer, I was like, uh, we're going to like kind of combine elements right. of disco and house. And that was a conscious effort, uh, a conscious decision to do, to that. do that. Yeah. And do it, so do it. Uh, just put a collaboration and everything. So were you nervous about putting live instrumentation on the house track at that time? Not at all. Okay. I thought I, I told Marshall at the time. I said, uh, we're doing a record. And now, I don't never want to come off like, I said, we're doing a record that 25, 30 years from now, they can still play in the club, just like how we had certain disco records that were classics. I said, we're going for some a classic sound. Right. right. And that's what we were going for. Uh, and so it wasn't nervous at all. Yeah. So you you, you was the strong songwriter and, and a great vocalist at the time. Why did you decide to do a, a group instead of just going solo at that time? Uh, because honestly, yeah, I didn't. I didn't really at that time really see myself as a uh, for whatever reason. I didn't see myself as an artist. You know, at that time you had artists like um, Prince, right? You know, who wore a pa- I got on a Paisley shirt right now, but you know, Prince wearing the Paisley <laughs> shirts. Uh, you know, Michael Jackson and uh, Madonna, and I'm like, I'm, I'm. I'm like uh, six three. I was, I used to work. I used to work out back yeah, yeah, then. Yeah. So a for, former working at, out now, man. Yeah, former athlete and things like that. So yeah. I was a big guy yeah. singing in a falsetto, and I wasn't really all the way comfortable. And I thought, I actually thought that a group, the concept of a group, okay. would be a lot more interesting. Right. You know, uh, I came from an era where I played in a group, played right. in groups, and then you had like. Um, Bootsy's rubber band, George Clinton, and, you know, Cameo, Confunction, and, you know, Ohio Players. And I I came from an era of of groups, and I just thought the whole concept of of group was, you know, most of the the lead singers other than Prince, most of them had had been part of a successful group and then branched out. And so... So when you first went in there and got the money from Ray Barney and you went into the studio... Who was there at the beginning? It was just you, just you yourself. 
at the beginning it was uh it was me and Marshall. Okay. You and it was always me and Marshall. Okay. You know, and that was that was the whole thing. Like Marshall had our move your body, right, uh ride the rhythm, yeah, pleasure control. Uh he had did the jungle, uh the jungle the ones. Jungle ones. Yeah. Marshall was was killing it. And so he just he didn't really know his uh his star power and his value. And I was like, right. dude, you know, you you a big fish in a in, as they say in a small pond, but man, I was like, it's a whole world out here outside of Chicago. You got New York, you got England, you right. you know yeah, Europe, yeah, yeah. and I was like, he didn't uh, he didn't see uh, he didn't see the big picture, and not to sound, but I've always tried to be a big picture uh, sort of person and look right. at the. Right. That bigger picture. It's easier for me to do it when it's not me involved. Oh, okay. I see. So when you first went in there, you're a marshal. What made you decide to bring in Byron Burke and Herb? Well, Byron Burke was, uh, Byron Burke was like, he was quote unquote, uh, like my little brother. Okay. You know, he was, he was my brother, you know. Okay. Herb Lawson, um, Herb Lawson was a very talented musician. Herb, right. Herb can play guitar play a little bass. Uh, Herb can play keyboards. Herb's a very talented musician. Herb can also, Herb can also sing, you know, a right. lot of backgrounds on 10 city was me and Herb doing, uh, doing backgrounds. So Herb can sing backgrounds as well. Okay. So do, during that time when it was just you and Marshall, uh, was 10 city have any other producers besides Marshall and yourself? No, okay. but the only, only producer who came in to quote unquote produce, uh, Steve Hurley, Okay. Did uh did remixes right, right back to you, right? He did he did uh right back to you, which was his uh first remix and um and I don't want to take credit, but like his first number one remix, I was up at Atlantic with Ken Commissar and they were right. talking about uh remixes for Roberta Flack and I said, Man, nobody colder than Steve Hurley. At that time it's like Steve right, Hurley. Right. And so Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he just talked about that too. He's coming yeah. up next. So. But but he he was like, oh, my manager got me. Like, yep, he did. Frank, he said Frank it, Rodrigo. I, well, Frank probably, but I put the bug in their ear. Let me say go. that. See, there you go. That's what I'm saying, people. But people have different perspectives, Absolutely. you know, of things. So Absolutely. So that's good, man. So how how involved was Merlin and R in the first album? Well, it wasn't really any A and R in the first album. Merlin Merlin signed us, okay. But Merlin let us do our thing, and what I mean by that is that at that time nobody really knew anything about house music, so couldn't nobody really tell us, right? Uh, so basically, they were like, "Hey, we did uh, Devotion, then we did Right Back to You, right. uh, One Kiss Will Make It Better, right?" And then that's the way Love Is was like about the fourth fourth thing we did and then they were like you know at that point they they basically gave us our own money because uh right back to you was one of the number one exported records wow. uh in the whole wheel system nice. and devotion i think devotion sold me about a, a initially sold a hundred thousand copies right, right, right. uh right back to you about 80 some thousand okay uh and so we we they basically gave us our own money and was like here go because we kept saying we don't want to keep doing singles we yeah. want to do an album yeah. they were like well you're a club act club it's like no yeah. we you know but we were selling more records than a lot of even they made they major artists at right. that time was it was it hard to push you guys at the label at a major label at that time as a house group it was hard because record labels had what they call different departments right and so like at Atlantic they had a pop department they had a rock department they had a 
uh, R&B department. Right. And they had a dance club department. So it was like Merlin signed us. He was kind of on what they call in the R&B department. And so you had like people with radio, like where they a club act. Right. And then, so the R&B part department wasn't really embracing us. Yeah. The dance department, uh, a little bit, we got, we developed a real good relationship with the dance department, but initially they had, uh, you know, they had, uh, people like Debbie Gibson and things like that going through the dance department. And, um, and you know, like you had dance groups like Company B and, yeah, it was, was totally different sensation and they were very different. So we were, we were very different. And so it, it was like nobody, like, I also didn't know what to do with us, so to speak, on, on some levels. Yeah. But I'm th- I'm thankful that Merlin did sign us. But we had one thing going for us. Merlin and uh, Timmy Registford were on the radio at right. WBLS in New York. Right. And they used to beat our records like constantly, yeah. constantly on yeah. WBLS. Then you had Tony Humphreys out there right. who was, like I said, it was a, for a long time – we would go. We were at, in New York every weekend, and then in Chicago, yeah. and then Chicago kind of came on a, right. a little later. Yeah. You know. So, did you ever feel trapped being signed to a major? Um, the one point in time, yes, as in some points in time, I did, and yeah. you know, we had had um, just felt like the music wasn't understood. And actually, uh, when I left the group Ten City, I still had the option to. Uh, to go to a major label then i had major label major labels offer me deals right uh when i left the group 10 city yeah let's pause maybe before you get but, there about you know yeah. leaving the 10 so let, let's go to how was touring like during that time with 10 city during the late 80s i mean it was it was fun but we would do clubs and people would be lined up uh outside of clubs to get in to see us uh you know we would we would do some clubs I mean, hold three, four thousand people. I mean, we right. play, we play London, and I remember like uh, going to Manchester, the uh, Hacienda, yeah, and it was just as many people outside that couldn't get in to see us that were actually inside the club. Wow! And uh, it was just a real, uh, a real good feeling to see our music go worldwide and to yeah. uh, see it be appreciated uh, like that. Wow. And you know, I remember doing a show here at Navy Pier, and it was right. like four thousand people there at the Navy Pier Ballroom right. and, and different things. And we did Columbus Park here in Chicago for WGCI had a had a party and it was yeah. people as far as you could see in, nice. in, in, in Columbus Park. So right. so what has been the biggest 10 city hit to date? Uh without question the biggest hit was That's the Way Love Is. Here in Chicago a lot of people think Devotion, Devotion yeah. was the big record, but That's the Way Love Is so millions and millions of copies like it was a number Number eight pop record yeah. in England. It was like a a, a top uh, top fifteen pop record in Germany. It right. was it was a top pop record yeah. all over the world and sold sold millions. You wow. know, Devotion was the big underground yeah. record. But that's when you, that's crazy that when, people some people really think like Devotion was like your your biggest one. No, that's the way love. That, yeah. I made anyhow. <laughs> I did very well off. Uh, that's the way love is. You gonna say you made what now? I I I made I made a nice okay. nice living right. off right. that's the way love is. All right, so they you, still make decent money off of that. That's song. good. See that people don't understand. So that, that brings us to this: you always had a second career as a writer with an active publishing deal. Can you talk about any co-writing or songs placements outside of Ten City and your own singles? I mean, it's 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 been so many. Like I was just 
I was just looking at a statement the other day, and, yeah. and I wrote a song on a diva called Don't Let It Show On Your Face. And I didn't even know this because they usually get have to get my permission to right. use it. But it was used in the, uh, I guess it was used in the Dahmer movie. Oh, wow. And so. Oh, in the club scene. In the club scene. Yeah. And so I just got, I was like, this song, I, I see like whatever, $1.50. Right, right. Why am I seeing this much on my statement? For how much song? was it this time? I ain't gonna say, but it was a it just was, get the people out there know so nah, they know a, about it, writing. I'm just saying. It, it was a nice, it was a nice, nice amount. I mean, enough where we can go eat after this. Oh, okay, you know, it was okay. more than that dollar right. fifty cent. So, <laughs> so I was like, uh, wow, you know. Um, and so I wrote for people like a diva, alternate. Uh, I've written for people like uh, Mazalik. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Um, the guy Cy Paul had a had a top a number twelve record in England with right. a, different strokes. A song I wrote, yeah. uh, uh, Nomads. I want to give you devotion wow. with number two pop. So uh, see, people didn't know that man. Yeah, so I've had I've had quite quite a few records that uh, and a couple more gonna come to me. But number right. two pop record on 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 uh, Nomads. Cy Paul number twelve. Uh, Kim English Nightlife was yeah. a top. Uh, top 30 pop record in England, a couple of songs on her. Uh, uh, Duke Dumont just had a, a, a pop record on a song I wrote called yeah. The Giver, which uh, I think is probably about 10 million uh, wow. YouTube views on that. And, see, that's uh, great, man. See, so a lot, it's a lot, a lot of different songs. Look that at I've that many sides of Mr. Stingley over there. <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> So Mike, I mean not Mike, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, you Byron. I'm sorry. Hey, I get that. Man. People people confuse me and Mike Dunn all the time. They think but that was my life. next question. So after the Ten City went on hiatus, you've been producing and had a a, a business relationship with Mike Dunn, uh-huh. and you y'all had a record label called Deep Soul at that time, yep, right? Through nervous, right? Through nervous. through nervous. Can you talk about any standout projects from that time? Uh, we did uh, we did Shayna, uh, which was a, a UK artist. We right. had success with that. We did a, a man. We did a lot of different remixes. Uh, yeah. a, a lot of different remixes t- together. Uh, while we were there, he he worked on uh, uh, my Purest album. Right. But we just uh, that's my brother. Yes, like, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Me and Mike. Uh, his birthday is March seventeenth. Yep. Mine is March eighteenth. Mine is the twenty first. Yep. Yours is twenty first. <laughs> and me and Mike were born in the same hospital. I'll get out. We of were here. in the hospital. At the same time, wow. like when we were Look we were that. born a day apart at the same hospital here in Didn't Chicago. Didn't know y'all was gonna cross paths. So yeah, like we that. we was we me and him was collaborating like when we was in the little incubators <laughs> or whatever right there. Like, you know. Right. And so yeah, that's that's my guy. Okay. So shortly after that you started your solo career with nervous records. Mm-hmm. Why nervous? Well, because nervous at that time seemed like they uh understood dance music. Right. And so I didn't have to worry about would I get lost uh in the in the like in the pop department, the this department, know who gonna promote it. Yeah. I knew exactly who I was dealing with and uh I didn't have to talk to no A and R person. I'm talking directly to the owner of the label. And they had a history, you know, his father owned Sam Records, which yeah. was a big disco label, and he had a history, he had a, a good knowledge of how, dance music and how to promote and, and sell dance records and how to treat artists. And I got right. a, I got a better deal with Mike. Like I shared in uh uh, I shared in all the like licensing, like okay. the record, uh, get up everybody. He sold that record to, uh, 
did a, a license back. It was different now. They they actually had believe this, boys and girls. They had <laughs> oh, that's album right here. Right. So they actually had physical records back then. Yeah. And um, so he sold the song to a label in Japan. Okay. Uh, a label in Australia, Austria, Israel. Benelux, wow. the UK, Germany. We were on Happy Music in France. We right. had another deal with another label in Canada. Uh, I mean, we had, and so in my deal, uh, any licensing deal, I got a portion of that. Nice. So anytime he did a licensing deal, he cut me a check. And so even though he was an independent label, for me, it was much more lucrative okay. than being on a, uh, a major, major label, getting yeah. a few points that you're never going to see right, right, because right. they like, oh, we paid for... So, Mike was uh, Mike was very That's fair good. with me, and so for me, it was, a, it was a lot better deal. So, did you sell more records as a solo artist or a, a, with the group 10 City? Believe it or not, outside of That's The Way Love Is, right. I sold far more records. I had a number... Uh, I think Get Up Everybody went number... 14 on the pop charts. Right. It would have been top five. Somebody bootlegged it. Oh, wow. Uh, I know who the somebody was. Somebody bootlegged it. Who was it? It was uh, Errol, Moose T's partner. He he bootlegged the record a week or two weeks. And that was the difference between the record being top five and number 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Oh, man. And that cost us a a lot of money. But uh, Get Up went number 14 on the pop charts. Right. Uh, Mighty Real went number 13 on the pop charts. Right. Uh, every song off of that album uh, that came out as a single was top 40 pop all, wow. all over Europe. Oh, my God. And so, like, I uh, think we had, like, four or five top 40 yeah. uh, pop dance pop records off of there. We had uh, three or four number one Billboard dance right. singles on there. Yeah. So, like, a lot of people... I actually had more success as a solo artist. As a solo artist, yeah. and I didn't have to split it with nobody. <laughs> That's the best thing, right there. Yeah. So, in terms of uh, house vocalists, I believe that you are the the only one from the beginning relevant through all the years. Can you talk about the approach to your longevity? I don't. I don't really have an approach to longevity. Right. I just enjoy, like people don't notice. I lost my voice. Right. Uh, around about the year two thousand. Right. And um and I'm just thankful to have my voice back, but I tell you I, when I had the most success is when I have fun. Right. It's like when I'm not thinking about I'm not thinking about oh I got to have a hit record cuz I got to you know yeah, make this and make that and I just go in the studio and have fun. Yeah. And I love what I do. It it always works out and I'm I'm just enjoying it. And I'm so That's thankful, good. man, to just still you know, started putting out records around actual records around 1985. Yeah, because I, I I tried to do my research to see was there any other house artist that's been doing it since the mid 80s to now, and I, I couldn't find one that started and just been relevant throughout the years, through, throughout the decades, as to say. I mean, I love house music. Like I said, I was a club kid, and 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 the one thing that makes me laugh is sometimes you hear the see these singers that um have a successful house house record yeah and then i hear them say something stupid like <laughs> well 
I'm a real singer. You're like, right. <laughs> right, 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 right. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> real singer? What that means? So you trying to tell me Lolita Holloway, not a real singer, right. sung disco? Yeah. You trying to tell me Martha Wash, right. one of the greatest singers ever, is not a real singer because we sing dance music? Right. And so I just think that's... Uh, and people don't know most of the great singers got their start in dance music. You know, yeah. Luther Vandross yeah. uh, with with the group Change. Yep, yep, uh, sure did. Glow of Love, yep. you know. Uh, so, uh, let, so let me ask Freddie you this. Jackson, let me ask Mystic you this. Merlin. This, this recently happened, and I, I want to get your opinion on it. So the Grammys was this year. Uh-huh. Um, and the big dance electronic album of the year was uh-huh. Beyonce, the Renaissance album. Yeah. Um, and she said something to that where she wanted to thank the queer community. And she said, how did that make you feel? Mom? She wanted to take, thank the queer community for inventing the genre. Uh-huh. Now I had, a, I had a problem with that because I, I don't believe, I know who created the genre of, of house music slash dance uh-huh. and everything like that. How did you feel about that? Or did, did you even think about that? Man, I don't get that kind of stuff. No thought. No thought. But what I will say, house music, initially, a lot of the people who used to be in the, in the clubs originally right. were the people who didn't quite fit in in other places. They were different. You know, they were like, and they could come, they would come to the house uh, parties and express themselves, right. you know, and they could be free. And so it's a, a little truth, but like a lot of the earlier producers of house music were very heterosexual, right. but a lot of the people that, who were part of the community and who right. that music was catered for right. were, were the, you know, people who were, who were, uh, artsy, yeah. different, yeah. you know, even myself, I was, I was artsy, you know, right. I, like people wore, I, you know, as I said, I was in, I used to wear military, uh, what they call oh, yeah. I think parachute that was, I think that was the culture of it. With a mohawk. Right. That was the culture. I remember. And, and you, you had the Gumby and all the other stuff. Yeah. But I, I'm just saying the one who's created it are the Chicago kids from the South side, West side of Chicago. Uh-huh. You know, so that's, that's, that's what I was trying to, you know, get recognized. So we, cause we always get overlooked for that. But I want to know what's your new approach with the 10 city reboot? Well, the new approach is is that I'm doing uh, I'm doing me this time around, and what I mean by that, yeah, it's the it's the same way. Like I said, how Mer- I think the first Ten City album was very successful. Right. Nobody knew what knew what it was, so they gave us yeah. and they let us do our thing. Right, and so like uh, when Patrick Moxie, who was at Ultra at the time, when Patrick approached me. Patrick said he just said I want two things from you for the for the last album that got nominated for the Grammy. Right. I said I didn't even know. Patrick told me he said I had. Let me let me tell this story first. Okay. I had talked to Marshall. I told you Sleazy D was the first person to kind of connect me and Marshall. Right. Sleazy D died. Okay. And so Marshall and I was like, "Hey man, we're not getting no younger. Right. We need to do another project together." Yeah. And so. I called up every major label who does dance music right. you could think of. Right. And they were all like, uh, I don't know, you know, 10 City. Uh. I was like, <laughs> right. for real? <laughs> so then I called up one label and they told me they were interested. Okay. And they said, yeah, we're going to do it. Uh, we just let us talk to the head guy at the label and then we'll let you know what the numbers are. And then they come back and they say, uh, he wants to know, he wants you to do four demos first. Hmm. And then we could determine how much the budget gonna be. 
Right. And I'm like, man, I ain't never did no demo in my life, man. <laughs> what? Play, you t- I, so, ain't never, so, so, I ain't do no demo for Atlantic. Right, you understand right, right, me? Right, right, right. I ain't did no demo for Nervous. I ain't about to do no demo for nobody right now, So who, who was that label? That was uh, the label who, who turned it, who said we had to do a demo. Yeah. I'll just say they said we got to talk to Simon. Oh, so defected. Wow. So they okay. said we got to talk to Simon, and, and that was my next question. And get, I'm like, why we got to get to the biggest label? Which and they like said the we got to. We got to get the. Uh, and once he hears four demos, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm not doing no demo, right? I ain't never did, and, and I mean that I've never did no Absolutely. demo for nobody. Right. I was like, man, history speaks. And I'm humble, but I'm like, hey, I'm Byron Stingley, player. <laughs> Put some respect on my name. So, so, so we, I wasn't doing no demo. So we know they passed on you. So yeah, if you want to call it that, because okay. I said if I'm gonna spend. Money to do four finished songs. Right. I put it out myself. Yeah. And as soon as I like, I went home, and I said, "Man, um, I said, well, I guess I I need to go and get my put my money up and go and do it myself." Right. It was the very same week I get a call, I get a text from Patrick Moxie from mm. uh, Ultra Records, and he said, "Hey, I'm being town. I want to have dinner with you." I said, right. "Cool." So I'm sitting there having dinner with Patrick. We laughing and joking. And I said, uh, what you in town for? He said, I'm here to sign a group. Right. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, if you want a song or something for him, let me know. I would li- you know, yeah. like to be involved. He started smiling. He said, hey, man, I came to Chicago. I want to sign you. Oh, wow. And I was like, sign me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah. He said, I want- he said it's time. He said, the world is ready for another 10 City Project. Nice. And I said, okay. And he said, I got two, two stipulations with that, though. Right. I said, what is it, Patrick? He said... One for the new album. He said, he said, I want you to do That's the Way Love Is right. and Devotion Over. Okay. And then he goes, uh, he goes, um, I want you to do That's the Way Love Is and Devotion Over. Right. And he said, and after that, you could do whatever you want. Nice. And I really didn't want to do those two songs right, over because right, right, right. I like I did them already. Yeah. But he wanted he wanted his own version. And then I said, Okay, what's the other thing? He said, the other thing is, he said, it's got to be you and Marshall. <laughs> but me and Marshall had already talked about us right. doing it. So I'm sitting there. I like, so I'm joking with him. Right. He don't know I'm joking. I was like, man, I don't mess with Marshall. Right, man. right, right. And he don't mess with me. And he's like, are you serious? You right. can't make it work? I was like, nah, man. I said, that's a deal breaker. Right. So he was just sitting there. And I said, I said, man, Marshall's like my brother, man. We, yeah, right, of course, right, of course right. we could do we could do that. We could make that happen. And right. so I called Marshall, and Marshall was like, you ready to get started on this project? And I said, yeah. I said, but guess what? He goes, what? I said, we got a deal. He said, we got a deal? I said, yeah, we're going to do it with Ultra uh, Music. Right. And so, That's how it so it goes back to what I said. He allowed us the freedom yeah. to do our thing. Right. And I mean, he A&R'd it. He was like, I don't. Right. Like it was a couple songs we did and he was like, I don't like this song. It's not going on the album. Yeah. And I didn't like the song neither. So right. I was like, so for me, I was like, oh, so it was perfect. <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know? And so he allows us, he believes in us. Like the first thing he told me, he said, you're one of my favorite songwriters ever. Yeah. And he said, I'm not just talking about house music. He said, lyrically and, and melodies. Yeah. He said, you are like in my top three songwriters of all time, and I was like, "Wow!" Nice. So he was like, "And I want to bring." I can lo- agree that I, I agree that too, man. I mean, well, thank you, I, hey brother. It's, it's it's been something where I always wanted to do something with you guys, man. No matter what, I know. I think it's all about timing. Um, 
before, you know, back in the day, we tried to do something, you know, but it, it just never came to. But I think this was the right time, man. And I, 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 I agree with him, man, because I always love your writing, man, and your melody. I might be that's that's one cold brother right there. Oh, thank you, man. So knowing that you was on Ultra, a label known for EDM, was there pressure to live away from that soulful and make an EDM influenced records and thing with them? Not at all. I didn't even think we didn't even think about it. We just we were just so happy to be back in the, and it was during the pandemic. Right. So I'm in Chicago cutting vocals. Marshall is sending me parts. I send him stuff. He adds to it. He sent it back to me. I add to it. Then we have immaculate ad. Right. Add stuff to it. We are and then we have some guys in England uh called Who. Yeah. They were adding stuff. I got a chance to work with you, yeah. you know. We did the song Better Man. I cut right. my parts. You sent me a part. You came in the studio breathing and coughing all on me. <laughs> and, uh, we gave it to Josh. Then we sent it to Josh. Right, right, right. You know, he was in Jersey. Yeah. And uh, it, it was just fun. I got a chance to work, you know. That's good, man. Work with all my all my brothers. I think the only person, uh, he was doing his album for Defector. I think the only person that I'm like, uh, you know, Mike Dunn. Yeah, didn't get didn't work with him, but we gonna do some stuff together. Good, good, good. So, have you ever considered DJing like Robert Owens? I get offered that really? all the time to come and DJ, and some people tell me, "B, don't do it. It'll be a disrespect to the culture." But I know just as much, of, I'm, exactly. and I'm not trying to like. Right, right, right. I know just as much about old school records, what goes together, exactly. how to program and line stuff up. And somebody just called me, uh, on two days ago and said. And I was like, no, I'm not interested. And they was like, but we'll pay you like. Oh, that made you turn and your I was like, <laughs> Wait, wait, what? <laughs> Business class too? Right, right. So it, y'all gonna have shrimp in the dressing <laughs> room? So if you and Eminem, red and all red Eminems. So if you was a DJ, who do you think be closer to your style? Like, what style would you take from? Like, what DJ? Oh man. Um, I know my Chicago people are gonna get mad at me, right? But Larry Levan, okay. I love like, the way that Larry Levan spent. Uh, and believe it or not, uh, I love the way that uh, Mike Dunn spends. Yeah, yeah. Farley, yeah. yourself as well, uh, Maurice Joshua. But uh, Farley is uh, one of my favorite. Yeah. DJs. Okay. Uh, good. And. Uh, I mean, Terry Hunter is, is is another one of my right. favorite DJs. Right. So, but Larry Levan, was, Larry Levan, was your type of style. Yeah, I'm trying to be Larry Levan, man. Okay, ain't nothing wrong with that, man. And maybe David Dave Morales, so I could take my shirt off. You know, he yeah. he like take his shirt off, so I'm <laughs> I'm gonna get my abs and stuff together. You so, can paint them on that, man. You can, uh, you paint, can paint them, them on. Yeah, maybe yeah. I get one of them suits, make it look like I got abs. So, or something. not your own, but name me three of your top Chicago house songs. Oh wow. Uh, Fingers Inc. Okay. You know. Uh, okay. No, that's good. Right. Right. Yeah. Fingers. Uh, wow. Uh, you got two more. Nunu. Okay. Liddell Townsend. Liddell Townsend. Bad okay. boy. Him, him and Chubby. That, right. That was my guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, and uh, I got. I'm gonna go away from. I, I was gonna say something by Jungle Ones, Marshall, but right. I'll go with a. Uh, I'll go with like some of. the Early, even though it's not vocal, some of the early chippy stuff, like okay. uh, yeah, yeah, that just the rawness, part of the history too, the, the rawness of that man That's was right. just it was just something else, man. You know, right. right, right, right. Okay, good. So, um, tell us about the new album right now. Uh, the new album just came out two day, 
Well, I don't know when this interview is going to air, but the new album just came out two days ago, and I just that was my phone buzzing. Right. It's up to almost about two hundred thirty thousand streams just nice. on Spotify, and that's not counting uh, Apple Music. And uh, right. it seems like it's being received well. It's getting some radio yeah. and. Uh, in Europe. So tell us about uh, production wise. Who all produced on the album? Writers, um, everything. Immaculate produced uh, five songs on the album. Nice. Um, I, I, me, myself, and uh, Shabazz Curtis co produced with him, but okay. he was in the driver's seat. Uh, Terry Hunter did a beautiful song called Women of the Sun that's on the album. Okay. Uh, Maurice Joshua did a song called Family, which a lot of people t have told me that's one of they, and I'm not saying it because you hear, but right. a lot of people tell me that that's one of they, like somebody listened to the album right. and they got to song eight right. and then they hit me back like, oh, I went back. I didn't realize it was two more joints on the album because the yeah. stream, stream, and they was like, this family's my favorite. Oh, and, I appreciate um, that, B. I appreciate uh, that. So basically, Immaculate, Marshall, you, uh, Terry and and my buddies out of England who nice. and uh, we got some great great musicians like I got a buddy named Martin right who 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 put up, put the horns on the song uh, Women of the Sun yeah. and if you listen that was hot man it, it sounded like Earth, Earth, Earth Wind it and Fire Horns it or does. something on it on that one I was gonna call Terry like who did the horns on that man and my buddy Martin okay he, now he I, I can just talk to range. you then <laughs> he's, yeah he's a bad boy <laughs> no he's producing George Benson right now oh get out of here yeah he's he's a serious okay. jazz dude and okay. we got like a lot of a lot of good mu musicians yeah. here in Chicago on this no album. we do man and, and like I said B I really appreciate this brother because like I said I want to give the flowers I I want people to know your history um, because, like I said, I think we often get overlooked, um, especially with house music. Uh -huh. You know, people just skim over Chicago and forget some of the pioneers that, that created this groundwork for everybody that's being successful right now. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I am just honored to know you, man, to work with you, to have you on projects of my own. Like we did remixes. You did vo background vocals on Beyonce, Destiny Child, uh, Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston. Yeah. And I want, I always, you know, a lot of people like can't know, no one can say anything about, uh, so my brothers, we we had a studio together down sixteen forty eight. Yep. Uh, Kinsey, Kinsey, yeah. And uh, when we were down there, like I said, you just said it. You had me sing backgrounds on Mariah yeah. Carey, yeah. Whitney Houston, yeah. Destiny's Child, Beyonce, yes, sir. And like we fed each other. I know Absolutely. it was like times when I know one time I had a mix and I was traveling somewhere and I said, "Here, Mo, do I don't know if you." I said, "Mo, do the mix," and right. you know, we we kept each other fed. Absolutely, you know? and we've been it's doing it for such a long time. A long time, time. and yeah. so it's nobody can say anything to me about you. You, my brother, man. I appreciate it, man. Hey, like I said, I love you for this, man. Hey, people, remember hit the button, click subscribe, hit the notification button. It's everything house music and more. And Brian, once again, thank you very much. I love you, brother, and uh, good luck on this album coming up and uh, many more, brother. Thank you, bro. Peace out. All right.